Welcome to the Two Dudes One Movie Podcast, the podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week. From black and white classics to modern day blockbusters, we'll be covering it all. This season, we've been focusing on romantic comedies, and on this episode, we're going at it with my pick, Park. The best pick, the big pick, the big sick. Rick, that was so clever, that little end tagline you had right there. I wonder who wrote that, Park. I think that probably just came to you on the spot didn't it it's actually no one even wrote it i just that's how i talk yeah i try to talk in (laughs) in little phrases like that park i'm very excited about this pick i would assume because it's your pick rick and it's the best pick and the big pick (laughs) the big sick there we go again there we go again ring around the rosy rick we are doing a different edition of rick's recap this is kind of like when at once a season in the NFL, Monday Night Football broadcasts a game on Saturday, but they still call it Monday Night Football. So this is this is a special edition of Rick's Recap, but it's actually Parker. It's Park's Recap, baby. If you haven't caught on to the gist yet, we're kind of flip-flopping a little bit here, having a little fun with it at the end of the season. All right, Rick, <clears throat> here we go. I'm going to try and live up to the hype. I'm going to try and live up to your... Your recap, should I say. All right, get at it. Here we go. We have inspired off true events, and we have documentaries. But now we have something delightfully in between. A movie based off the incredible real-life story of Kumal Nanjiani and Emily Gordon. A modern-day classic rom-com that hits the mark so much, but unfortunately is overshadowed by its all-too-real sinister horror elements. Medical malpractice. A film that will put your faith in humanity and take it out of hospitals. This is The Big Sick. (laughs) I love it. Whenever I think of medical malpractice now, I just think of Dr. Death, the podcast. and I feel like there's like 50 shows about Dr. Death. Yeah. Maybe he maybe he was operating on Emily Gordon. You never know. But just like think about it, Rick. They all that the stuff that went down, and it was what just like a something in her foot or or something. What was it in her side? Well, that that like showed that showed them what the issue was. Yeah, he said that she hurt her leg, and then they noticed that the inflammation never died down. And they were like, "Oh, it must be this." I'm still calling medical malpractice, Rick. She she just needs some prednisone, Park. Prednisone. I read that that that's what that's what she uh, that's what they gave her, and that's what she takes currently is prednisone. Prednisone. We're getting those nice plosives with uh with that word. I know. I hope I'm right. Maybe maybe that's not it. But hey, Rick, if you're wrong, then you need to quit this podcast. It's true because 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 we do give uh we give medical advice here. That's what we say. I got to point out before we really get into this, I have a little street cred because I've actually worked with Kamal's mother of the film before. She is the mother in Miss Marvel, and I worked on the Miss Marvel production. So I'm technically a first degree to all of these characters. The seven degrees of Kamal. (laughs) The seven degrees of Kamal. It's the next big thing. (laughs) Kevin Bacon was so season one. It's true. I was trying to figure out where I I saw her from. And I guess it's from those commercials, because did, did anyone actually watch that show? Well, Park, I... Oh, this was the street cred. I was like, well, you've listed down Parker's street cred. That is your street cred. <laughs> I, I didn't want for, to forget. <laughs> I was going to ask you about your street cred, and then I... <laughs> well, that means, Rick, then we can go straight into the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
Look, I feel like I need to be first for the good. Can I be first? You can be first. I like that this film... Film. 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 I love that it has a real feeling to it. I even feel like right at the beginning. And like there's like a lot of... There's a lot of like awesome comedy in it because you have a lot of A-list stand-up comedians. Like almost every other role in this movie. So obviously that helps so much of the comedy in this. But it still feels like real. I feel like so much... From old to modern rom-coms, it kind of feels like you're walking into a fairy tale. I don't feel like that with this park. Yeah. I have the calm. I put I put calm in all caps, park. It's got some good calm, Rick. I have two favorite comms in this, and they're, they're my points of good, so that's why I had to say it. One is 9-11. I'm pretty sure according to South Park, I could be wrong, there's like a 20-year and something day rule of when you can make fun of something. Could be it could be something else, but I think we're at the limit that you can actually you can make some jokes on 9/11. Not when this film came out, though. It was twenty. Not when this film came out. That was dicey. I laughed when I saw this movie. I laughed so hard at the, the whole conversation. It's not even the 9/11 joke. It's it's everything. Almost I have every time Ray Romano talks because the awkwardness and things that he asks and says is absolutely hilarious. It was a fantastic interaction. My all time, whenever I think of this movie. And this is why this movie is a top 10 movie of all time for me. Is every, is everything that leads up to it and the burger shop scene. Mm. I like lost my mind laughing when I seen that scene. And like it's funny because like right before it, Kamal learns like the worst news. That there like might not be any hope. And they're like moving her and he's like absolutely pissed off. And the burger shop it was absolutely amazing. Those are my goods, Pork. Rick, those are some really, those are some really good goods. Love your good goods. I got some good goods too for you. First and foremost, I've, I've just got to point out the humanity of this film. Similar to what you were saying, comparatively to everything else that we've watched throughout this season, it's probably the most real and authentic story and portrayal, and for good reason, because it is a very close to real life story. Obviously, some Hollywood blemishes and alterations here and there, but for the most part, is Kamal and his wife's real life love story and it just translates so beautifully on the screen it really works it's reminiscent to me of a film that came out after this it just came out this past year called past lives just in the authenticness and the the portrayal the real raw humanity of it all and that's really high praise because past lives was one of my favorite films of the past year of the past decade so rick another good the performances. Everyone was just really solid in this film. Kamal has some great comedic timing, obviously coming from a comedy background, a stand-up background. He's able to seamlessly and flawlessly integrate that into his performance, and it really works. And a lot of the jokes and the sequences that you were talking about in your good. And then, of course, the writing, Rick, it just kind of harkens back to the other things that I was saying about this film, the real, the authenticness. This film is really tight. Everything is building towards something else. There's no fluff in this film, but everything is essential. It's really well paced. It's just a really tight story. And sometimes when you have these real life stories that are translated to the screen, filmmakers and writers are so fixated on getting every little detail on there and sometimes it just becomes unnecessary some of the detail that is being portrayed and it kind of hurts the pacing or it boggles down the story a little bit or 
XYZ, but they did a really great job of honing in the story that they wanted to tell, the themes that they wanted to talk about, and sticking to that and keeping it nice and tight. And for that, I have to put that in my good. Those are some lovely goods. Thank you. Even good goods, I would say. Ah, Rick. Well, I'll take the lovely goods. You can have the good goods. How's that sound? We can just go right to your bad bark if you want. Rick, I got to say, there aren't really a lot of bads. I mean, I'm just going to state this right off the bat because I know I looked at you at yours as well. I don't have any uglies, so this film doesn't have any any uglies for me, and there's really just, not just a lot delete of... delete the category. Honestly, it's just the good and the bad this week. But something that kind of bothered me, and it's not necessarily a fault of the film, but also I guess it is, is, is a little bit of the lack of resolution with Kamal's family at the end. He never really... There's no great resolution with his mother specifically. They're still not on speaking terms. And that was actually kind of the biggest alteration from the real life story compared to to the film itself. And so I kind of wish that they could have brought more resolution there. Obviously, her making his favorite food for, for him right before he travels to New York City is supposed to be that resolution. But it just didn't feel... Like it was enough. It it just felt like a first step, but I wanted more. And to speak into more, that's my other bad, is I just felt like I was left wanting a little bit more of Emily and Kamal's relationship at the end of this film. Obviously, because so much of it is her in a coma, and that's obviously the main dramatic story of the film, but you kind of just want to to have a little bit more time with them towards the end of this film. Obviously, I saw what they were going for with the poetry and the rhyming from the beginning sequence to the ending sequence, and I think that works really well. I thought it played really well. But me being selfish, I wanted to to have more of their love story on the screen. That's why right after I had to look up the real story. wanted to see. How about your bads? Um, I have nothing at all. I think you could make the argument... Now, this may not fully fit. Like, if we're judging rom-coms, maybe this doesn't fully fit a rom-com genre. Maybe it's just a comedy movie. If I mean, there's a lot of elements to this movie. It's not just a comedy movie. That just has, like, r- romantic elements to it. I actually think Kumal said it smart in an interview. He, like, said that the first half is, a like, a kind of a rom-com with the girl, and the second half is a rom-com with the girl's family. So, like, it feels like that, and I think that's kind of a good way to put it. He, that that is a really great way to put it but the dynamic of the relationship built between the f- the parents and Kamal and how that grows and is nurtured throughout the second half of the film it's really beautiful and how there's that love for them because of their shared experience where Emily doesn't have that once she wakes up from the coma which is another thing i absolutely loved because in so many movies you get this unrealistic scenario where someone wakes up from a coma and they have this realization. And that's not how real life works. She was asleep. She was not present during this whole dramatic journey for Kamal. So she can't relate to it. She can't understand it. And she's in the same place emotionally that she was when she went under. And that was such a great portrayal that was so authentic and real and I really loved that they did that and then her getting that resolution and going through that journey at the end by seeing the video of him breaking down 
at his comedy performance. It just, it really worked. It really elevated the film in a lot of ways. Again, made it feel so much more real and authentic because it was a real and authentic story. I guess I have an ugly, but I don't think it's ugly for the movie. It's just a, it's an ugly for this this world that we live in. Is why did Marvel have to trap Kamal? He's in the Marvel. He's in their hands now, Park. I think I read somewhere that they're making a, uh, what is it? Eternals, I think is what they're called. Eternals 2. I also saw that he like might be, or maybe some of the Eternals are going to be some type of the new Avengers. I have no idea. It's all crap anyways. I just feel like they got he got in the clutches of Marvel. So I feel like every time someone gets in the, the clutches of Marvel, that means they lose their creative hey, liberty. get that bag. If that's what you're going to do to get a nice payday. I think Kumal is one of the most talented comedians like out there i even think he's i think he could do so much better than other people we saw do in stand-up like adam sandler i think he's so funny uh silicon valley even showed how funny he was too if anyone's watched that show he's hilarious so i I want him to escape the clutches of marvel keep doing your thing kamal but hey if you want to get the bag you want to keep that six-pack go at it yeah he's uh he seems like a really nice guy too he seems very genuine and authentic in uh his interactions with people Oh, yeah, he does. I feel like I love Which watching... Which means he's probably a jerk. Just kidding. Because he might be, Park. You never know. I feel like I enjoy watching his, like, interviews. There's not that many actors that I'll actually watch their interviews, but uh, but he is one. I mean, uh, what's his face? I watch Jesse Eisenberg interviews for the quite opposite because he's kind of an a-hole. So, Kamal, he comes off genuine. We like it. Yeah. I I just love the the story of kind of... Obviously, he was kind of creating him a, a platform for himself in the comedic realm, but creating and, you know, telling his own story and film to kind of ascend into this film world and to be nominated for an Academy Award and all that. That's just inspiring, you know? It is. I mean, it's so cool. It's also so cool that they, that uh, him and Emily wrote it together. They yeah. wrote the whole, wrote it together. It's awesome. I think it's time to talk about the then and talk about the now. Rick, then and now. Now and then. I miss you. That's the new Beatles song that came out. If anyone hasn't listened to it, go listen to the the last Beatles song that will ever come out. It's beautiful. I still have not. You haven't listened to it yet, Rick? No, Pork. Oh my gosh. You're, you just literally got people to cancel our podcast because you said that. You're going to get canceled, Rick. We're a movie podcast, not a music podcast. Here, I'll give you a little preview of it. No, I, I just need I need um, 100 likes on the video or a podcast, whatever platform you're listening to this on, then I'll listen to it. All right. I like that. If we get 100 likes, Rick will do a live reaction video of him listening to the Beatles song for the first time. That's so cringy. I hate reacts videos. <laughs> I will do it. I that's, will do that's it. That's what's that so happens. funny about it because I, I know. know you hate react videos so much. <laughs> I will do it if there's a hundred likes. I still want to do a react video of a family affair, the Netflix rom com starring Nicole Kidman, Zach Efron, and Joey King that I was the key PA on when that comes out on Netflix eventually. That got delayed, right? At some it point. did. It was supposed to come out this past November or December and they pushed it back. I don't think they have a release date for it right now. Dang. Yeah, it was kind of sad. That was like my favorite film that I worked on. I absolutely adored the cast and the crew of that production. It was a blast. 
I just remember you telling me when you worked on that that Zach Efron is not good at remembering his lines. It's it's true. Sorry, Zach. Uh, there's a video of him of one of the one of the like YouTube channels that's also like a, some type of celeb magazine. I forget one of them did like him to remember his old lines. I think I saw that video. I yeah. immediately thought of you telling me about. He that. actually he did a pretty good job <laughs> he, in that video. I know he did. He they did. probably like gave him all the answers beforehand. Oh, I know. I bet. At least on that film, he did not do the best at remembering his lines, but he is a very genuine person, super nice, kind to everybody, and he really takes his acting very seriously, even though he was having a tough time remembering lines at times. He was very engaged in the filmmaking process, even on kind of a throwaway rom-com that's coming on Netflix. So that's something any crew member can really appreciate when they're working on a production with him. He puts everything he has into it, even if his memory is mid. could talk about Zac Efron for hours on end. I could talk about Neighbors 2 for hours on end, Fark. That's how much I, I love and appreciate Zac Efron. But we got to get into the now and then. You're right. Wow, we, we introed that like a while ago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> then we got on some Zac Efron tangent. Oh, I love it. I thought what would be kind of interesting instead of hitting the generic rom-com now and then feel is if we kind of look take a look back and look at the representation of muslims in film over the years and how that's altered a little bit you know basic somewhat surface level we're not going to dive too deep into it there are definitely professionals and academics who have spent a lot of time studying and research this that could dive into this topic so much more but i thought it'd be kind of interesting just to get a little baseline sneak preview of how these people have been depicted over the course of cinema's lifespan over the past hundred years. So without further ado, let's jump into that. When I was doing my research, the first thing I found out is in the early cinema era, which they are considering the late 19th century to around the 1950s, Muslim characters, Muslim people were really portrayed as these like exotic mysterious figures most of the time you know taking place in the middle east with big palaces and you know wild cultural differences and not necessarily as humans that interact at the same level as other western individuals that are portrayed in the film but they're very much like this bigger than life or mysterious sort of a um presence to them so a couple of films that I found in my research was specifically The Thief of Baghdad and The Sheik. And for The Sheik, the film epitomizes and romanticizes the exotic portrayal of Muslim characters as passionate and mysterious, Rick. Obviously, every person, every culture is very nuanced. There's so many depths and layers. But if you're going to like typecast me into like a very specific stereotype... Passionate and mysterious isn't that bad. I would sign up for that one. So I would characterize you, Park. Ah, thank you. But things don't always stay like that, Rick. We move into the mid-20th century, the 1950s to roughly the 1970s, and things start shifting a little bit. They, they're still pretty much a, a very similar portrayal. You have Lawrence of Arabia from 1962, which features complex mu Muslim characters like Prince Faisal. I probably butchered that and Sharif Ali, but these films are still seen through a Western lens. We're not necessarily getting into the psyche, getting into the headspace of these characters. We're looking at them from a Western perspective onto them. 
Finally, in the 1970s, you have a film called The Message, uh, which is a retelling of the story of the Prophet Muhammad and the origins of Islam. So uh, one of the first major presentations of a more respectful and serious portrayal of Muslims of the religion of everything going on in that sense. Then you get to the late 20th century, the 1980s to the 2000s, Rick. And uh, you have movies like Not Without My Daughter in 1991 and Malcolm X. And these movies tend to portray the Muslim characters in the context of conflict and oppression. Specifically, Not Without My Daughter focuses on an American woman struggling in Iran. So again, looking through things, the Western lens, focusing on the Western lens and how the Islamic people are oppressing other people around them. And then Malcolm X, obviously a uh, nuanced portrayal of Muslim American civil rights leader, Malcolm X. So there's that as well. And then finally you get to the 21st century, around 9-11, of course, happening during that time. And you have movies like Munich, Four Lions, and of course, The Big Sick, Rick. And these films explore the complexities of Muslim characters, but at the same time, there's still in some of these films the harsh portrayal of terrorism and violence and looking at things through a a western lens in that kind of stereotypical way so that's kind of just the basic spark notes of things that i researched and found but as you can see strong stereotypes early in film cinema obviously more nuanced portrayals slowly coming to the forefront as we move into the modern day into modern cinema but even still stereotypes remain or new stereotypes have come to fruition because of political and historical events that have taken place in the past 20 30 years i even like where this movie fits at today i feel like we get i feel like every year we get movies that surround like the stories of immigrants in the u.s and for everything from like dramas to comedies to all that stuff so this kind of just like puts itself kind of in that i feel like we, there's countless of movies of like italian immigrants in new york I feel like literally more, I feel like an Italian immigrant movie comes out every single year. I really think there's a Ray Romano one that came out last year or maybe even this past year. So I, I, I just, I, it's it's always cool to see the history of all of that. It's great to also just to have some more diversity in the film world where these people who are raised in their cultures are able to tell their stories in a more authentic light nowadays, like Kamal telling his story to us and the authenticness and the battle of the relationship of his family and his religion and dating a white girl in America and kind of questioning his faith and what he believes and and the nuances and humanity behind that person, that individual. Something that I think 20, 30 years ago you're not seeing very often, just in very rare cases and circumstances this is serious topic so i have no idea how to smoothly transition us to <laughs> stupid questions rick i think you did that beautifully i don't think <laughs> i don't think you could have done it any smoother let's do it well i got a i got a stupid question for you remember this is stupid question spelled s-t-o-o-p-i-d rick not it's it's important i always forget about that it's you always, always important me. to differentiate that rick these are stupid questions yes, and yes. my first stupid question for you rick is does everybody love raymond i think yes i think i think ray romano is a national treasure 
I always feel like I always have a list of celebrities. Maybe I don't always have a list. I always, whenever I like see a celebrity that I really like, I was like, oh, that'd be fun to uh, grab a grab a drink with that person. Generally, like older celebrities, that's my thought process. I don't necessarily want to have a drink with Ray Romano. I feel like he's kind of awkward, and I'm awkward. I feel like we'd just be sitting there, and he would just <laughs> kind of like snort and give a little little one liner every once in a while. Now I want to see that. Ray Romano, I know you're listening out there. Please grab a drink with Rick and bring me along. I'll be a fly on the wall. I won't say a thing. I feel like a hundred words would be shared the through for the entire night. But it'll be a fantastic. <laughs> You'll spend six hours together. <laughs> it won't even be a hundred words. It'll be a hundred characters. It'll be like Twitter. It'll just be like making like noises like hmm, to each other like all, the whole time. <laughs> uh, incredible. But yes, that that being said, I speak for everybody. That Everybody we that everyone loves Raymond. Rick, I I couldn't agree more. I as someone who is being spoken for right now, I agree with you. Well, Park, I have a question for you that you wrote down. <laughs> what was going through your mind when you first realized Elastigirl was the mother in this film? Also, when I want to know when you realized too. Instantaneously, Rick. As soon as she started talking, instantly. Uh, I had seen this movie one time before we watched this this past week, and. Totally forgot about her being the mother. Totally forgot about Ray Romano being the father. So it came as an absolute shock. She has such a distinct voice. And it was just weird. I, I just, you know, a couple of times I just closed my eyes and I just saw Elastigirl playing out the scenes in the hospital. And it was just fascinating. I bet it was. <laughs> just like, like think about it, right? Go back, talk, go back and girl. close your eyes and listen to the scene at Kamal's comedy show when the two of them go. I was, and that's they what I was trying to visualize. I also feel like it would be hilarious to put Ray Romano as Mr. Incredible. Just switch up the universes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Make it happen, internet. Make it happen. Rick, I got another stupid question for you. This is actually this is actually kind of serious though, if we're being honest. This is a serious stupid question. Of us two, who do you think is more likely to pull the plug on the other? And how long would it take you to pull the plug on me? I would give you First and foremost, I think you're definitely pulling the plug on me first. Yeah, that's why I'm that's why I'm thinking about the second question right away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I would say depending on what it is, maybe 23 days. 23? That's such a random number. <laughs> I feel like the 20, if I like state 23 days for pulling the plug, I think something special could happen and you could just pop up. What if wake. the, the um, doctors say that you're financially responsible though? Does that change your answer? If I pull the plug? No, you're financially responsible just no matter what. Oh, sure. like the cost that it's racking up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that going to sway your, your decision to take me out after a day? After I'll lunch? I'll, I'll still give you 23. Oh, that's very honorable, Rick. I appreciate that. My life is worth 23 days. That being said, if I'm not paying for it and have zero financial responsibility, I'm still going <laughs> to stick to 23 days. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Even if I'm it. not, even if I'm like not in the room. Like, just like your wife is in the room, I show up on the 23rd day. (laughs) Just pull the plug, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Can you please give me your thought? Like, why 23? Like, you having, like, a thing for LeBron right now? Like, what's going on? 
I just think I just think that's that's a special number, Parker. I think anything could happen on the twenty third day. I think that's the make or break a day. I don't think anything's happened before. I don't think anything could happen after the twenty third day. It all happens on that day. And I'll give you the full day. I'll give you the, it'll be almost it'll be like eleven fifty nine. Well, thank you. You're welcome on that. That's what I'll do. I would personally try and keep you on as long as I possibly could, Rick, just so you're aware. That's nice of you. So. To be fair, if this is like a a medically induced coma, there's no, I feel like pulling the plug at all would be very morbid. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the point, Rick. We w- we're basically telling each other how long we would give each other before we'd kill the other person. I guess I'll stick at 23. 23 something. Could be minutes. Could be hours. Days. Great. So years. we went from 23 days to potentially 23 minutes. I'll, it's I, we're going from twenty three days to twenty three something. You should get like a die with you on the day I, you find out I'm in a coma, and roll it. And each each uh, side of the dice represents either like a minute, seconds, hours, days, or years. I'll roll it every single day, and if we I'll roll two die every single day, and if we get snake eyes, that's the day. That's <laughs> the day. Wow. <laughs> How often do you roll snake eyes, Rick? Well, I don't think I actually rolled two die. Two die, just die. How do you say dice. That? Dice? Uh, dice? Dice is plural. Thank you. I appreciate it. I don't think I've rolled dice in a hot minute, Park. Not since we went to the casino, Rick. Did we even roll dice in the casino? I don't think we did. I but think we, we did. We lost money. We sure did that. We did. We watched people play games that involve dice, and I was like, oh, that looks a little daunting. I'll stick to losing my money the other way. <laughs> yeah, I'd like, I'd like to lose my money hands off. Yeah, yeah. Let me just let me just watch a sport and then watch my <laughs> watch the team lose. More exactly. Enjoyable. Normally, we have a fun activity at the end of every podcast, and and sometimes we do AI script reading. And every time we have done that, Rick has been the one who puts together the scripts, and I'm the one who's always surprised. But in a turn of events, because we're switching things up this week, Rick, I created my first AI generated script for us tonight. And I'm uh, I'm gonna set the scene for you before uh, before we get into it, okay? So okay, the title of this script, because ChatGPT gave it a title, is called "The Big Faker." And I asked Chat to take the movie "The Big Sick" and take Kamal when he first gets to the hospital and finds Emily in a coma or about to go into a coma, and. Uh. <laughs> literally and he finds the doctor and the doctor is ricky and ricky is not actually a doctor and kamal is the only one that's picking up on that and that's kind of the gist of the scene that i i went with <laughs> Kind of, it kind of worked, but I thought it was funny. So, Rick, you have to play yourself. You have to play Doctor Ricky. I don't think that's gonna be hard, Park. All right. So, are you ready for this? Give it to me. Let's go. All right. Run it. Interior hospital waiting room night. Kamal, early thirties, anxious, paces back and forth, clutching his phone, clearly worried about Emily, late twenties, unconscious in the hospital room. He's interrupted by a bumbling, goofy doctor, Ricky. Late 20s, wearing a lab coat that's way too big for him. Kamal, confused. Hey, are you the doctor looking after Emily? 
You betcha. Dr. Ricky, at your service. Kamal studies Ricky, raising an eyebrow. Skeptical. Dr. Ricky, are you sure? Ricky looks around, trying to appear professional, but he's clearly out of his depth. Oh, absolutely. Dr. Ricky's the name. Saving lives is the game. (laughs) Kamal rolls his eyes, realizing that Ricky may not be what he claims. Kamal, sarcastic. Right. Dr. Ricky. So what's wrong with Emily? (laughs) Ricky pulls out a toy stethoscope and dramatically places it on (laughs) Emily's chest. <laughs> well, it seems like she might have um uh tickleitis. Yes, tickleitis. It's a rare condition. She needs a lot of laughter. Kamal can't believe what he's hearing and tries to keep a straight face. Kamal raising an eyebrow. Tickleitis. Huh? Ricky nods enthusiastically, not realizing Kamal's skepticism. Yep, I'm prescribing her a hundred jokes a day, stat. (laughs) Kamal can't contain his laughter and bursts out laughing. You're not a real doctor, are you? Ricky's goofy smile fades and he finally drops the act, looking embarrassed. (laughs) Okay, fine. I'm not a doctor. I'm sorry, I just wanted to impress everyone. Kamal pats Ricky on the back, still chuckling. (laughs) Kamal smiling. Well, you certainly did that, (laughs) Dr. Ricky. (laughs) Forgot about Emily. (laughs) They both share a laugh and Kamal begins to appreciate Ricky's goofy charm. (laughs) Uh, Kamal gritting. All right, let's just hope the real doctors know what they're doing. They exchange a friendly nod as Kamal returns to Emily's bedside, leaving Ricky to reflect on his hilarious attempt at being a doctor. Fade out. I love how every single every single script that ChatGPT makes has the exact same formula. It's fantastic. <laughs> I always just have a little sweet ending. I love that I integrated you into the story. We haven't done that before, but that really mm-hmm. pinched my fancy, Rick. Look at you, Parker. I'll, I'll put you in the next scripts that I make. How about that? <laughs> Please, that would be amazing. It just better be a good movie. I'll put you in your movie. You put me in my movie. I'll put you in your movie. Oh, that's brilliant! I love that. Yeah. I guess that means we're having another AI reading next week, folks. Well, Park, that takes us, I believe, unless there's anything else. But my notes say there is not. The ROM and the COM scale. Park, this is my movie, and I get what I want, and I want to go last. So, all right, that's fair. You're up. So, do you want me to do the rom, my rom, and my com? Yeah, first? let's get your final. Let's get your final right. score. Your so, thing. I think rom. I'm gonna go with a uh, a three. Some of it like really slaps, but then there's a good chunk of it where I'm like huh, chuckling. That's funny. And so, because of that, I think it kind of ends somewhere in the middle. You for mean the com? I think you said rom. Oh, did I say rom? Yeah, I mean com. So ends somewhere in the middle, but shifts obviously a little more to the right at a three out of five. And then I'm going to give the ROM a two out of five because she's asleep for all of it. But I'm going to give the parents in him a four out of five. 
So we'll say three again and uh, and land on a, a six out of ten, which seems really low because I feel like I really enjoy this movie, but you can't argue the ROM and the COM scale. It's a perfect rating system. It is, Park, but I think you're wrong. Uh, the COM is easily a five. I always feel like I was laughing a lot of the time. When I wasn't laughing, I was sad. They were they had me by, by the hook. I would actually, I, I don't think we're allowed to do it. If there's any movie that I would actually break the scale, I would have the com be a six in this movie. It's crazy. But we're not allowed to do it. So wow. five. Five with like a little wink, like this should be a six. So <laughs> the ROM, I feel like initially I was like thinking, I was like, I mean, that's it's really only like half the movie in a way. So like should it just be like a three? Should we just kind of give it that? But park. I think I got to go more than a three. I think I got to go four. And the reason why I got to go to a four is because they did in what half a movie and what I feel like half of all the movies we watched this season didn't do is they made a very believable romance that we haven't really seen a lot. I feel like that, ta- I feel like that takes, and to be fair, it's a real story that they wrote that like the husband and wife wrote together. I would hope that they have a believable romance. Yeah, uh, I think I need to give it a lot of credit for that because obviously that's hard to do in rom-coms. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I think, again, I think what's keeping it from a five is probably that it's not your typical rom-com and I don't like that I'm keeping it from a five because I don't, I don't want it to be a typical rom-com. So I'm going to give it a 4.5. Wow. So that gives you a 9.5 out of 10. With a wink. With a wink. With a wink. That, that could be a 10.5 out of 10. Wow, Rick. That's great. You actually inspired me. I didn't even think about that, but I I have to agree with you. I have to change my ROM. I have to give it a 4, Rick, so I'm going with a 7 out of 10. I love it, Park. And I, I will say this, Park. Before we went into this movie, what is the movie app that everyone rates uh, their movies Letterboxd. on? If I had one, this is firmly a top 10 movie. It might be number 10, but this is firmly a top 10 movie for me. I always listen for me personally. I don't think it has any high degree of all time for movies. I absolutely love this movie. I think it's awesome. It is, a, it is a fantastic film. And I still feel like a 7 out of 10 on my end does not do it justice. This is a great film. Everyone should definitely give this one a watch. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free, baby. Just slide on into Amazon's DMs. You got to watch it before they add commercials. Aren't they adding commercials to everything? Everything's getting commercials. It's ridiculous. We moved away from cable to streaming just to have cable while streaming. Just to have compartmentalized cable. It's true. This has been Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. But I can't do that yet, Rick. You know why? Because because I have to tell everyone what my pick for next week is. And Rick... There's actually going to be a little bit of drama with this. Oh, my. Producer Becky may come over here and slap me on the back of the head because the other day she forced me to pick my movie and created all the graphical elements that we are pushing out on socials right now with the blurred out poster of my pick. But, Rick, that's not going to be my pick now. Oh, gosh. She's yelling in the background. Rick, I remember just during this podcast that there is a movie that I have to choose. And Rick, I'll I'll first say the movie I was going to choose was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days with Matthew McConaughey. But 
Then I remembered, Rick. Then I remembered something very special. A movie that I hold very deep in my heart. And it's about kicking off those Sunday shoes, Rick. We're watching Footloose, baby. Is that a rom-com? That's a rom-com, isn't it? I guess we'll we'll see next week if it is. Fine, hold on. I'm going to the internet to check and see if it's a rom-com. Really, I just wanted to watch Footloose. Is... Footloose, a rom. Footloose is not a musical producer, Becky. I would, I would also list it because I would list it as similar, similar to yours, like La La Land, and I want to call La La Land a rom com. Wikipedia says Footloose is an American musical drama film, but the Script Lab rates Footloose as the number ten rom com of all time. The what? Who- We're going to IMDb. IMDb is the one that will settle this case. Drama, music, and romance. There's no comedy on here, Park. No comedy? Wow, that's really sad. All right. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Uh, all of that drama just to go back to where we were going, Rick. Great banter. Rick, fantastic banter. Also not seen How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days in a long time, so I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a good one. I'm really excited to uh, share that with everyone now that I realize the other thing is not something I can share with everybody. We'll do musical soon, Park. Don't worry. But, like, Footloose isn't a musical. It's got, like, musical elements, but no one's, like, breaking out into into musical numbers. Just dance sequences. Isn't that still considered a musical number? <laughs> I don't know. I got to I gotta look into the, the rule books of all this, Rick. Uh, okay. Seems well, a little you guys, dicey. You guys can let us know. Yeah. I, I do want to know that. Do you consider Footloose a rom-com? Because I really want to know. I think it can be. I think some could even argue that some of the dancing in it results in laughter, which creates the comedy. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there, Rick. But either way. That's next- like me saying my, rom- like my rom-com is going to be Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> you could make an argument for it. We could just throw the rom and the cop skill and everything. Does he <laughs> need to be a rom-com? <laughs> you could make an argument for it, Rick. Yeah, we live by. Well, Park... Well, this was fun, Rick. That was, That is it. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, final answer. That's what we will be watching and discussing next week. This, on the other hand, has been Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. The podcast... Oh, wait. Rick, I should let you close it out. This is this is our flipperoo episode. I, w- I want you to close it out because I got a good l- line, a good ender. All right, all right. That's fine. That's fine. You have been listening to Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast, the podcast where two dudes dive into cinematic masterpieces from a different decade each week. From black and white classics to modern day blockbusters, we'll be covering it all. Until next... Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when I don't get to do it at the beginning, Rick. It just all falls apart. But <laughs> until next week, uh, we'll uh, catch you then, y'all. Peace in the Middle East. Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast is an independently created podcast. Like, rate, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube where we post full video recordings of each episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes, One Movie Podcast. Thanks for listening.